Welcome to Base Cafe with Holly and Dean. I am Dean. And I'm Holly. And today we are going to be talking about the beginning fundamentals about what a bass player should be learning and some different left hand and right hand techniques that not only do Holly and I think you should focus on, but also our guest, 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 Killian Duarte. Uh, he plays bass in Scale the Summit and Angel Vivaldi and a million other bands. He's an absolute phenom. The whole reason why I, uh, we decided to choose him for a guest is because he just he does things on a bass that you couldn't even imagine. Right. But we also got some really good information from him in the interview of how to kind of crack that code. And we want to show you some of these basic fundamental things that you should be learning now that will get you to that to that uh playing whatever you want to play even if it's crazy instrumental music faster yeah and just before we started this podcast holly and i were talking about how sometimes when you go into and you're working on something if you get it done quickly you're in your comfort zone if you have to work on something over and over and over that's how you know when you're pushing your limits you know and and some people want to push their limits Right. And what Holly made me realize is that some people just want to jam and see what comes out. Yeah. There's a lot of serendipity to the music uh, if you just let it free flow. And as musicians, I think it's our responsibility to jam with other people. It's just like when you're learning to talk. And, and nowadays talk collaborate. Right. Back in the day, yeah. it used to be jam. Now, now it's collaborate. Now yeah. we get a song from someone on Instagram and send them a bass track, a bass mm -hmm. stem and a video to accompany it. Absolutely. And it's all a language. We're speaking a language called music. It's just like if we were learning a different language, like right now I'm learning Spanish. And so I'm breaking down bigger ideas that I've had in my head of, you know, how I'm supposed to learn Spanish and I'm breaking it down in little tiny, tiny things in every day and I'm getting better and better. And uh, one- Are you using that, that Rosetta Stone? No, I'm using my boyfriend, who is a fluent Spanish speaker <laughs> from Peru. So I have a, uh, <laughs> I have, uh, yeah, I have the, the teacher that I need. So um, it's actually. Uh, you got to really teach you the point. fun words. You got to get all <laughs> yeah. the fun words. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if I was learning off of Rosetta Stone or just out of a book, I wouldn't get the same dialect and I wouldn't get the same kind of innuendos that he would be able to teach me. Correct. Right. The um, slang, the slang, mm -hmm. like, like the blues, the blues mm -hmm. is kind of exactly. like the slang. And when you're learning music, it's kind of the same way. You can learn a lot from a book and you can learn a lot about, you know, what how goes did, where. How but... did you learn? How did you like, what was your main course of study? For in, music? In, yeah did you when like I, in other words did you have lessons um did you have uh, a band with a crazy musician in it um did you read books like what what was your course well i tried for many years to learn it and it just never never got through to me never but like how like with a teacher but or with when i finally sat down to actually learn like the scales like how how scale works what the notes on the bass were um that's where it started was flashcards <laughs> uh so that's really I put, good i did that for all music theory stuff too in the beginning yeah. i absolutely did that for all the notes on the measure yeah exactly on the grand staff um, rather so i just put a through g 
and I started learning where all the A's were, all the B's, all the C's. And then I started learning your semitones, so all the you know flats and sharps, which came naturally after you learn the whole tones. So flashcards are what got me to step out of my box of just not being comfortable going, okay, we're gonna play this in A. I don't know where A is, I don't know what to do. But then once I learned where A was, you just follow the groove and then you know, somebody calls out you're an A, all of a sudden you're a musician, you know? Um, and then that, I that is a big thing, um, especially at School of Rock. One of the first things that we teach even the kids, and I think is a phenomenal thing, is just learning all of the notes, the musical alphabet, A, A sharp, B, C, C sharp, D, D sharp, E, F, F sharp, G, G sharp, and then we get back to A. Lear learning that and how it just goes right up the a string mm -hmm. and then learning where all of those notes fall on the low e string mm -hmm. you can do that then any scale you that you learn octave. is accompanied by that like and you yeah. don't have to memorize everything this is a yeah. big thing that i teach all of my students you do not have to memorize everything i do not have everything memorized mm -hmm. what i do have is a bunch of shortcuts I know what no I know where my G is. I know like my third fret, right? I know my fifth fret. I know my seventh fret. And I know my twelfth fret. And like those right off the bat, any other note that I need to get, I think about where it is in relation to those four, right? Like you break down the twelve possible notes to your four um shortcuts and then you and then you move from there. And that's and between the E string and the A string, that's eight eight shortcuts across 24 <laughs> notes yeah. and next thing you know you can play in any key and do anything yeah yeah i always first teach the you know the e string from open to to 12 and then it just continues uh the a string and then all of a sudden your octave is on the next two strings and you can find every single note going up and down the the neck uh the only time that you'll have a little bit of trouble is like during you know on your um, D and G string up at the higher, uh, the higher notes because they don't have an octave to them, just the open. On the bass, right? And, Unless yeah, you're on the bass. six string and exactly. depending on how you Like a four string bass, a four string bass, just basic, sorry, <laughs> basic bass. <laughs> I'm a four stringer. Um, <laughs> I got that extended range. Uh -huh. So, but that's the simplicity of it. You know, think, think small, think simple. Um, and uh, a book that I talk about a lot, The Practice of Practice, uh, talks about when you're practicing a large piece, large piece of music with a lot of notes, a lot of things going on, you have to break it down in little tiny increments. And and so um, if you if you look at it like that and and think of you know when you when you learn a language, you learn the ABCs, you learn uh, the small words, and then you learn how to put those small words with something that you want to get, you know, how to, how to get something out of those small words and how to start communicating. And it just grows and grows. And so um, those are the first things I learned. And then I went to um, your uh, major pattern and your minor pattern because. Now, did you learn them in standard form? Yes, I learned them in, in just standard. I raged against that. And I'll I would that think why. that you would do that. I'll tell you why. <laughs> I, I, I did because I started off playing guitar, not oh. bass. And when I was learning scales, nothing infuriated me more mm -hmm. 
than trying to find a groove while running the standard <laughs> out of the book scales because some strings there was only two notes some strings there was three notes and you couldn't ever mm -hmm. get a roundabout way mm -hmm. and like yeah. before shredder and the internet like shredders and the internet like the way these new tabs mm -hmm. in any book that i had there was never a depiction of the scales three notes per string yeah i exactly. am hardcore. So awful i hate that uh, what i hate that i hate that there's not just the scale it's all these other notes and it's like it could be so much easier for people if they realize that these seven notes and then you just move them around yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I had had this major breakthrough with seeing the whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half pattern broken down where they just take the first letter and move it to the end. Yeah. And then you have the next pattern. And I understood so much more than I had this major breakthrough on how, like, I, I famously say to every one of my students that music theory is nothing but a bunch of old white men in wigs saying the same thing over and over again in a different way. Yeah, it's true. Right. If if everybody knew that everything was just the goddamn major scale yeah. with a note added here or then a note uh, added there or, or it, it, it really yeah. is. But it's so hard to grasp that concept until you get to this certain plateau level. Right. That or it just it's explained to you the right way. You know, I, I had to learn myself that you know, this is what a, a major scale is and you can move it because I didn't understand. I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand. I feel the like they, they, so many, I feel like music and like the entrance into becoming a musician is like the magician's code. Yeah. It's like they trial and error. See all of these, like, here's the pentatonic scale. Here's, you know, learn how to make this chord, learn how to make that chord. But no one, no one ever explains how, Easily Why? it is to realize how much they're all connected, how much everything is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Everybody always makes you think like when you go into Guitar Center and you're like, you see like the book of bass scales, every it's bass like, scale. I have one. And, it's, and like, it's like this thick. I, dude, I made a joke with my student today and I swear to God, it's true. I could make an entire book on how to learn every single scale and every single position on the guitar and the bass and that book would be two pages long yeah yeah I, dude, dude i'm telling two pages gretchen men my guitar player she has um it, it's a 12 chapter 12 lesson book from uh acoustic guitar magazine and it's super thin and we constantly are talking about how, because people come up to us and they're asking us how we learned and, you know, talking about, you know, theory's hard and this and that. One person had uh, said to me, he's like, I don't want to learn theory because it's just a theory. And I'm going, you guys are just making it so hard on yourself. You know, why make it so hard on yourself? And she always tells people, she's like, don't make it hard on yourself. Because just they learn make the it sound so hard. It does, but it's not. <laughs> they make it sound so hard. I was the same way. I did not want to learn theory. And my theory to not wanting to learn music theory mm -hmm. was based in part of the theory that mm -hmm. if I learned these rules, then that would somehow stub my creativity. Mm -hmm. Because but I would. That was exactly the random. opposite. That's exactly opposite of what you need to think, because the more rules that you have or the more 
the more pieces you have in your puzzle, the more you can break out of that. And that's where your creativity comes out and shines. The fact of the matter is, is that we only have access to 12 notes. That's true. You can only play so many different sequences and patterns. Mm -hmm. That's just the truth. Mm -hmm. There's only so many patterns you can play. Yeah. And to think that music being around and even with the bending and getting into the micro, if you want to get down to like micro tones, like, okay, yeah, then like so many songs can be original once you put bending into it, because yeah, what's the odds that someone's going to bend to that exact minute yeah. pitch, but that's when it's open to interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. But like <laughs> my version <laughs> really out of the 12 notes, you just have to know where each of the 12 fall. And so, the way I've looked at music, right? I, I've talked about it on previous episodes and we'll continue to talk about it. My system of like learning music by numbers, mm -hmm. which is just basically learning the, the two shapes of the major scale, three notes per string. I don't care if it's on a guitar, on a bass, learn it the whole from the lowest string up to the highest string, the whole pattern on a four string bass, right? It's going to be three notes times four strings on a five string bass. It's going to be three notes times five strings, but just know where the octave where is. Know that the pattern mm -hmm. goes from the one octave to the next. Yep. And then it and then just know the rest of the pattern. And, the and not thing just is, that, but connecting one side of the bass to the other. I do a lot of soloing and stuff and you want to you want all of that that sonic you know that high and low of your bass to shine through and so if you're going to play an e there's several different ways that you can play an e on your neck and so well, not even that it's like you could start off your solo in major play up the major scale and then switch to now you're just voicing it in the relative minor and all that means is you're hovering around the sixth note of the major scale yeah like uh, again, realizing that every single scale that is in all of those books is the same one scale where they're either just putting in notes or taking them out. Like, that's it. It's yeah. all they are. Yeah. And it's you know? not like we're rewriting anything. We're not. Nobody's rewriting the mu music. Theory. No one since Pythagoras. <laughs> it's been there forever. It's out there. And it's it's been out there. Even, I mean, before he even wrote it down, because it's music. It's a language. It's it's a language we all we all resonate with and it only works when it works together. I blew this um, uh, 10 year old's mind talking about bass today. I did his lesson with the kid who had a fretless bass. It's his first bass it's and it's a fretless bass. Well, I guess I was, he, he's played guitar before. Okay. So he understands he knows the knows concept of like how the frets work. And he said that in the beginning, he it... wasn't, he was playing it where you would play on a fretted bass and then eventually moved up to like the line like where you yeah. should be. but um yeah and i was talking to him like everything is held together with harmony and vibration right yeah and that's yeah. another thing people as, as teachers a lot of teachers don't teach and break out of the box they teach the notes they teach how the notes correlate with each other but that's only one element of music there's harmony there's space there's there's so many other things. Yeah, and they all glue together. Um, and again, we can only play 12 notes. So like, <laughs> that's it. If we just do 12 notes, 12 notes over and over again, the only the only people who play more than 12 notes are anyone who bends, you know, yeah. because then you 
are but, technically getting so, in infinite notes, right? Yeah. You know, so that's that's why you can take, you know, you know the twelve notes, you know how they correlate with each other, and then all of a sudden you can be as creative as you want to be. You can do it anything you want to with it. That's why there's so much music out there. That's why there's so many different types of music. I think that everybody should learn the major scale, three notes per string on their instrument, mm -hmm. and the minor scale, three notes per string on their instrument. Yeah. Any of the other exotic scales mm -hmm. are only ever gonna be those two patterns, plus or minus one or two notes. Yeah. Maybe one you're, other. You're saying you're saying three notes per string so that you extend the um uh just extend the the uh, scale. It's a little bit it's more. for visualization purposes. If you gotcha. learn everything, three notes. If you learn, if you learn how to on a guitar, if you learn uh the the scales, three notes per string, mm -hmm. the lower half of like where the the lower part of the register is like a weird one, but once you get to the second octave. Um, like if you do the major scale, G major, three, five, seven, three, five, seven, mm -hmm. uh, four, five, seven, four, five, seven, five, seven, eight, five, seven, eight. If you do that, by the time you've gotten to the second octave, which is the fifth fret on the D string, mm -hmm. the, the rest of the pattern from there on is the traditional major pattern out of the book. Okay. So by learning the scales three notes per string yeah. you're actually learning both patterns where if you learn the traditional pattern you're still only learning that pattern yeah right so it's it's you're learning kind of how cool. you're, you're learning how to go from one one side of the scale to the other um by yeah and then and, but if you learn those two patterns all of the other possible patterns like i said are only variations of that and that's the right. other bonus is like the melodic minor pattern mm -hmm. is only the Dorian mode mm -hmm. with a raised seventh. Yeah. And the harmonic minor pattern is the minor mode with a raised seventh. Yep. Um, and that's going back to your whole half, whole half pattern, just changing one of those. Yeah. And well, so like most of the scales, right, that we play are seven notes. Mm-hmm. And then the eighth note is our octave, hence octopus octagon. That's it's at the eighth note that our scale starts over. Um, the other, there's only five other notes that we don't typically use. You know, one of those notes is the blues note. Another one is the harmonic minor note. Another one is the melodic note. Another one is the dominant note, or uh, I call it the Spanish note. And another one is the quest note. I don't know what they call it, but it's like a, a raised fourth off of the major scale. Um, you hear it in the Lydian mode. Um, I, there, like you, you can learn how to just play any of these scales and then just put those notes in there for feel or for vibe or bend into them, bend over them, use them for traveling. I always wanted to know how like a jazz guy could play every single note. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing is it's intent. Mm -hmm. Ooh, it's intent. Um, if you have a definition in your mind, back to why would you want to learn theory? Because if you can define it in your mind, that note doesn't sound like shit. It was supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. Like that's the difference. Like exactly. If if you if you know you if you feel that like you weren't supposed to do that, mm -hmm. then it's gonna sound bad. 
Yeah. But like every note, every one of the 12 notes can be defined by music theory as belonging there, even whether it's a parallel, a parallels harmony, a, a harmony's counterpoint, an inversion, you know, like an alteration. It's, it's like still only half a step away from a better note if you choose to use that too. I do a yeah. lot of little like, you know, going back and forth between a half, you know, maybe like a, a third or um you know going in if fourth, you go in but if you're playing the because, major scale and you go in between a minor third and the mm -hmm. major third if you go mm -hmm. in that little half note yeah yeah that is the blue note yeah, relative yeah. to the major scale so like you're really giving some vibe if you do that on the sixth note um and the major scale go from a minor six to a major six that's the harmonic minor note again you're that's ray vaughn every 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 guitar solo every jimmy page guitar solo he accents all of those notes look at jimmy hendrix live jimmy hendrix, that was a, like, yeah he doesn't the three of them together used the the um every note possible once they got into the ninth and the 11th yeah. and the 13th like they used all of them yeah because it's possible to do that yeah um it's and just mathematically what... divisible anything that we perceive as a bad note mm -hmm. is just uh, it, it's, it needs it has to be to used at the right mathematical time. division of yeah. the sound waves when they connect with our eardrum. Yeah, we were talking a lot about how the, um, you know, the bass notes making up the, um, the, 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 the heavy. <laughs> yeah, the heavy, but, uh, you know, the whatever heavy. we're playing, we're in plus the guitars or whatever the highs are, make up that, that note. And so it's important to to know where you're going and, you know, keeping your group is a big part of, uh, you know, of music, you know, just making sure that if you're learning how to work with your ear and you're not really uh, you're starting to, you know, jam with people and you don't really, you know, the notes of the scales, but, you know, the next point, next part of your, uh, you know, your journey is to start jamming with people and to start really becoming a musician. Um, you need to learn how to groove. And I can't even you can groove with one note and all you got to do is find that right note so I I can't even blame 2020 for this but like I've been feeling it for a while like we've we've lost the Pink Floyds and the Led Zeppelins we've lost them a long time ago it, it had a lot of it had to do with home studios and the ease la, of recording la, la, la. <laughs> no but uh, the the typo negatives we've lost these bands that would go into a studio and, and we'll do that and we'll jam right for various reasons that stopped, especially nowadays with everyone, you know, being 3000 miles away mm -hmm. with latency, you and I can't just jam. No, you know, I would have to record something and send yeah. it to you and you would have to play to it. That's not jamming. Yeah, Jamming is I start bending one way, you start mm -hmm. bending another way, we push and we pull. And exactly. then we get our groove. Exactly. Right? It, it's all about the push Magic. and the pull and you lose that. Yeah. You know, where where one note can mean so much yeah. if the bass player, the guitar yeah. player, the singer okay. and the drummer are all hitting it a certain way yeah. with each other, off each yeah. other, together, <laughs> around, moving, like moving forward on the beat, moving back on the beat, swaying, like following, maybe not even following an actual metronome, maybe just following the psychedelic sway of the, the lead drummer. singer. And whenever the lead singer, the drummer. The, like Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. Michael Jackson famously would, yeah, I guess he's a phenomenal musician in his brain and in his mind and, and everything else, but he would call out hits. Yeah. 
with his hand that doesn't mean that it's on time Mm-mm. it's like, you're on time with that with that mm-hmm. where are we with that this show <laughs> yeah exactly like michael jackson show <laughs> right and there's so much to be said about that when it comes to chemistry um I was yeah, watching this really show weird. that was talking about cops and, and talking about how cops and, and their partners are very much like a, a relationship. Oh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Gene Wilder talked about how, like, there's just certain people you have chemistry with. And he said that when he worked with Richard Pryor, it was just like this this chemistry. It's the same deal. It's uh-huh. it's working off Fancy the beat. chemistry. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah that's, how you, that's your magic, which that's the unfortunate um thing about covid is that we are not able to do that anymore because i think it's it, it's part of the musician's soul is uh you know playing with other with other players but but that's also you know take the time to really hone in and learn learn your craft i mean if you're one of these musicians that just skates by because they kind of know the major core or major you know patterns or they kind of know the minor patterns then Maybe it's gotta time to drill them. Jump up you your gotta game. Drill yeah, them. yeah, drill them out. Practice, and, uh, practice, practice. Go from one end of the neck to the neck, you know, to the other end. And I, I learned, I learned all seven diatonic modes. I learned all seven of them: Ionian, Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, Aeolian, and Locrian. Mm-hmm. I came up with my own little thing. I don't pick lemons my aunt likes to remember the order. <laughs> all right, I something really and I sat there and I drilled them. <laughs> And I looked at a piece of paper and I drilled them and I drilled them and I drilled them and I drilled them and I drilled them. And And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, my God, these are all like the same thing. Yeah. Why didn't anyone tell me? Like, I was like, these are all the same, but different. It's like, yeah, you have to find the There's four patterns, the minor patterns Mm -hmm. that are almost exactly the same. Because they're based on the minor. You only change one note between between Mm -hmm. them. The fourth one, you change two notes. Big whoop on the Locrian mode. Mm -hmm. And then. The other three patterns are almost a major scale. Yeah. It super easy. Yeah, it's but, like super easy. Yeah. And I think if you were to break it down and um, you know, say it out loud. And and so many times, like because I drilled that over and over, I can I can set myself a simple chord progression. And sometimes I play just a single note and I loop like just a single note and I'll loop just mm-hmm. like an F. And then I'll play the major scale and I'll voice it like it's major. And then I'll switch it into the mixolydian mode. So that way now I have the the minor seventh with my major scale. Then mm-hmm. I switch it into the Dorian mode. Mm-hmm. So now I've, I have the, the minor third, but I still have the major sixth and the mm-hmm. minor seventh. And then I switch it in, and like, yeah, slowly I did it into this in from one scale to another. <laughs> I did this, uh, you don't this how jam. Easy it is. I did this jam with Fred. It's on my Instagram, and he just did a drum track. Fred who? Kruger? Fred, who? Freddy Kruger? No. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy Chink. Yeah. Uh, and we, uh, he just did this drum track, and there's a what's his Instagram? Uh, Freddy Ching drums. <laughs> uh, so I did this thing with him where he just did a drum track, and then we did. There's several different musicians that did uh, their. Thing over it right so i did a bass track and i did several different oh modes. i think i saw that i saw that yeah so i had um i can't remember all i had in there but i know i had like mixolydian and uh major uh and um i don't know and minor maybe i mean i just mixed it all up and just came up with this some cool stuff and then 
It was, I mean, it flows. It all, all these works names, together. Right? It's great. It, for all these laymans who are watching, right? Be, understand that we're not, we're not, we're nothing more than glorified laymans. You know, all these names of all these modes, there's seven modes because there's seven notes. And like so much of just grasping that, you, you know, that even when you learn things like the pentatonic scale, you're still learning the, the, the pentatonic modes. There's five of those modes, penta, pentagon, right? five modes five tones <laughs> pentatonic Penta. um that's the same as the other scales they just took two notes out mm -hmm. so there's five positions instead of seven because they took two out yeah right and but it's the same deal and it's using like using notes that are close together that's the hard part mm -hmm. you know using notes that are far apart anyone can yeah. do it yeah, because Any that's, note if it's really far away, because it's really easy. And if you look at all the scales, just if you look at all them side by side, you can tell that, you know, your one, your four, your five, they all kind of match up within every scale. So it's so easy to just fall back on a pentatonic scale or a blues scale or anything in there that just is real easy. Right, for sure, for sure. Um, and just knowing that, again, there's only 12 notes. Yeah. So one of the cool things about catching up with Killian though was him talking about this is all left hand stuff right we're talking mm -hmm. about left hand stuff mm -hmm. he also focuses a lot on the right hand and yep. he's got these triplet techniques where he's still playing 12 notes but he's yeah. doing different successions of groups of four by doing triplets yeah um with his finger and so it's like he'll be like three two one three two one three two one two uh one three two one or something or one yeah. <laughs> one three two one yeah one three crazy like, like and, and it's it's it's, it's really it's really just going like this but it's how you're visualizing it if you visualize just going in this motion mm -hmm. in groups of four that's mm -hmm. different you know like it's a different way to it's approach like a, it it's you like a real gallop ride. it's like a real gallop like horses do that they gallop it's three right one two three four one two three four one two three four one two three four yeah exactly yep. um right and... we always perceive a gallop as three but like if you think about a horse it doesn't have three legs mm -hmm. you know it has four yeah um and so learning that just like a, a specific pattern on your right hand and not even worrying about your left hand really connects your your brain with your right hand and Playing music is so much about connecting your brain with your with your hands and sometimes your feet, you know, depending on what you're playing. Uh, I mean, right. it's connecting your whole body because you are having to like keep the groove and do everything, but you've really got to focus on what your hands are doing. So your right hand technique matters just as much as your left hand technique. Um, it matters just as much as theory. And so um, I definitely want to go over um, like, uh, you know, how he's talking about, you know, the, the wrist and um, you know, if you're if you're playing and your wrist is kind of just limp like this and then there's no real structure to it, you can get a lot of damage because you start playing like this. And this is what this is where um, a lot of carpal tunnel and stuff uh, originates from is your your wrists are, are too stra strained. Do you use a, uh, a thumb rest? Yeah, I have a thumb rest on my base or um, on one of them I have uh, like um, the the 60s model it has uh the ashtrays you know the um the covers so i use that 
Uh, I'm, I'm always resting my thumb on something. <clears throat> on my um, Ibanez bases that I used on the Nita tour, the mm -hmm. Ibanez BTB models, mm -hmm. uh, they have these Bartolini soap bar pickups, and it gives me a perfect perch perfect. for my yeah. thumb to, yeah. to play. And not every, and because there's two of those, uh -huh. um, I get really lucky. So I have two spots to go. Not every base has such a thing. I have other bases that. My favorite pickup combination in general is a PJ um, uh -huh. pickup combo, right? Yeah. A jazz uh, pickup in the bridge and a P bass pickup in the neck. Um, and with that, you get, with that P bass pickup, you get that built in thumb rest to the pickup. Mm -hmm. um, but again, not every bass always has yeah. that kind of setup, you know? It's so you, you typically just have to like find a spot on the body where you can get yourself a good position because you yeah. always want to try and stay straight as much as possible. Yes, we have to maneuver, mm. but all of that extreme movement in yeah. both left hand and right hand, right? Yeah. Another thing we wanted to touch on as well as that is the strap. Mm -hmm. You know, like the strap has a lot to do with where your hands sit. Yep. And most of the time when I play with Nita, those mm -hmm. that yeah. is prog music. And yeah. sometimes I am playing my ass off. Yeah, but I was not going to play in that band like this, even though it would have been <laughs> better, you know, to play like this. It would have been so much easier to play. I had to play with it all the way down. Yeah. Um, you play with a pick, too, right? I do play with a pick, but I do hybrid stuff okay. um, where I, I do a lot of uh, popping okay. of octaves and um, and plucking of the power chord where okay. I. You have the pick, pick and then, and then pluck with the other fingers. <laughs> um, and then in when we play 18, uh, I think I talked about this in a previous episode. When we played 18 in the verses to bring it back a little bit mm -hmm. because the pick scrape and the attack is so sharp. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a vocalist every night. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes Nita would lead the vocals mm -hmm. um, with the guitar. And so we'd like pull it back. Um, and that I would just, I have this way of, I can show you with that. I don't usually have a ring on there, but I, I hold my pick. Where is it? Here it is. I hold my pick. Uh-huh. So you can do it. Yeah. And, I, and I, it. I, 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 I worked on this for a really long time. You, just you, find <laughs> ridge. you find the little ridge in yeah. uh, like that. Okay. And then you you just got to work at walking it while one yeah. finger is just holding it. Yeah. And then it's right there. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I wanted to try and get really good because I can do coin stuff. I wanted to do, <laughs> I wanted to do that like in the middle of a set. <laughs> but it, it always gets stuck at the pinky, right? Hilarious. Um, yeah, like you're shredding and all of a sudden it goes like this. I like, wanted to get like a camera shot. You where gotta I'm be up front. He does from the that and then pick. like coming back into it and then like rolling through it. Yeah. It would have been really cool, but it's, you can't do that in a, in a live setting. There's just some stuff that you can't do. You do it do. in your dreams. Um, it, just cause the you sweat. pretend like you did it one time. It's fine. And any, anyone who's ever seen me perform knows that I am a sweaty, sweaty mess when i get off the stage and i love it i'm a wet mess 
You all, yeah, you put your all in. That's great. Yeah, I have well, to. I have to. How about, can you show um, everyone how you would try and practice with a straighter wrist instead of a bent wrist? Or maybe even how you would stand up with a bass and practice more with a straighter wrist? Uh, with cameras, I, I, I can't really do the standing up stuff, but okay. I can totally do the... Um... The sitting down, totally fine. Yeah, I'll do sitting um, down and just... I'll, I'll, I'll get into that. Yeah, and I wanted to I wanted to show that so that people know that if you are straining your wrist, you're gonna get a lot of hand fatigue. You're gonna get a lot of wrist and, and forearm fatigue that you you don't really want to deal with because the more that you have that, the more your your body's breaking down, and you really need to just get a hold of that. You know, do some stretching, uh, make sure you're you're just in the right position. And then we don't really think about this, but playing bass standing up is different than playing sitting down. Um, well, playing both and your tuning changes. People don't realize this, but you should, if you, especially if you're going to play standing up, mm -hmm. you should tune while so the guitar up. is hanging or the bass mm -hmm. is hanging yep. because there's different tension on it. Yep, exactly. And if you're going to be playing standing up, you tune while the bass is hanging. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And if you're going to yeah. be sit playing while sitting down, you tune while the, while the bass so or the bass guitar is sitting, is sitting on your lap. It's yeah. difference in tension. You don't think so, but when it comes to those scenarios, it really makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're gonna record something. Um, so right here, we're gonna, it, right after this, we're gonna insert me with the bass going yeah. over a couple of different positionings. And yeah, yeah. Go. <laughs> so we're gonna do the first position here in D major. That means that I'm gonna be starting this pattern on the D note, which in this particular case is on the 10th fret of the E string, right? That's a D. So now I'm gonna do this pattern, which is gonna be 10, 12, 14, 10, 12, 14, 11, 12. And that's one octave. Now I like to do this pattern three notes per string. You just have to know where you're gonna end and where you're gonna begin. One octave, right? And I like to do it like this. And when you do that, you get a nice you get a nice rhythm when you get three notes per string. Now from our root of the D, we're gonna move down a step and a half, which means we're gonna go down three notes. And we are now on the seventh fret of the E string. I have a five string bass, so do not get confused. So we're gonna go seven nine ten seven nine ten seven nine and that's one octave again i like to do this pattern three notes per string so it's going to be seven nine ten seven nine ten seven nine eleven seven nine eleven Why can I play that fast? Because I've played it nine million times. Yeah. So Not because really, it's my first time playing it. And can I get better? Absolutely. That's absolutely. why I practice every day. So what so, he's doing? So what you're doing there is you're taking um, your major scale and you're just extending more notes on either side of the scale to fit the neck 
and fit. yeah is the three it's, notes per string pattern right no, no matter what instrument i'm playing whether it's a four string bass a five string bass a six string bass it does change if you're tuning all right this is for the nerds out there if you tune your six string bass to um the high note to a c these patterns are a little bit different but i tune my six string bass the high note to a b just like it would be on a guitar right. so i they use work. the same patterns mm -hmm. going from bass to guitar um i just i didn't know when i got my first six string that you would tune that high string to a c i didn't know no one told me it didn't yeah. come with a manual and how to tune it so yeah. i just tuned it how my guitar was tuned um yeah, yeah. so that's a big thing now here I want to talk about I am sitting right now. Um, I don't have a standing shot here and we will do other stuff with that where we show good posture with standing. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on different postures for different instruments. Um, but I am making sure to keep my hand flat here. And a big thing that I talk about all the time is my pivoting on my thumb. Now, every time I approach these scales, I'm keeping my thumb right behind my fingers. So if my hands move down, so does my thumb. So when I run through those scales, you can be rest assured my thumb is right here at all times. And I split the difference. When I play that major scale, three notes per string, my thumb is basically right behind my middle finger. So that way, even when I'm using my pinky all the way up here, I have my thumb basically right behind the 12th fret, allowing my pinky to also have some use. So it's yep. not just the pinky working. Everything is always that finger and my thumb. That is yeah. a major thing that I wish that I knew. Um, yeah, you don't want to see the thumb coming up over over the uh, the neck so much because you lose you lose this part of your hand when you're trying to play notes. I have pretty big hands for for a girl. I definitely have big hands, but I so I I, I do have a little bit of of reach. But the problem is that your your um, uh, your joints don't bend any more than what they do. So right, and once we once we get these techniques down, we can afford to be a little bit lazier. Like I mm -hmm. will be caught with my thumb up here when it shouldn't yeah. be. That's yeah. only because I've focused so much and built up the strength already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but it it is important to make sure that you're articulating the notes properly. So that means that you need as much finger length as possible to reach those notes especially i mean the bass the bass neck is is typically a little bit bigger than the um, guitar neck so now it doesn't mean that because you have, you have small hands that you can't play a bass you can't play a guitar that's completely completely not what i'm saying i'm just saying that you have to make sure that your hands are given the opportunity to hit the, the notes properly <laughs> absolutely and so that is a lot with my left hand technique, right? Is mainly focusing on the thumb and where that is, right? And um, when I'm doing that major scale too, and this is no pick, but when I'm doing the major scale, again, I'm keeping my thumb where my middle finger is. And even though this is a big stretch, when I go 10, 12, 14, that's a big stretch. But what I'm doing is I'm centering around where my middle finger is and then I'm reaching back a little bit for the 10, centering on the 12, and then reaching up a little bit for the 14. What most people do is they have their thumb, they'll have their thumb behind their index finger. Yeah. 
and then they'll have to reach up for the 12 and then reach up again for the 14. And the reason why that is such a hard thing to do is your thumb is now all the way over here and you're trying to do this move and you don't have that dexterity yet. So you got to split the difference. So it's, it's easier um, to just reach back a little bit center, reach up a little bit, then be all the way back here with our thumb and then reach up and then reach up again mm-hmm. you know like you don't have that strength and don't don't be afraid to start on your middle finger if you're if you're doing a run i mean a lot of people you know they think oh first note start on your on your index finger don't be but afraid learned, to start on a different finger when i do the major scale i'll do the major scale now again in d mm-hmm. in a standard position up yeah. Oh. yeah i start that with my middle finger when i do that in a standard position Right. Um, that's and I do that with all the pentatonic scales. If it starts like that, and I need to have this finger here, yeah. I will start with my middle finger on that scale. But again, I like to learn. Yeah. If you're picking up a third or a flat fourth or something, yeah, you need that that extra finger back there. I also like to play the notes, uh, the scales, three notes per string, because my favorite interval and Killian's is the ninth. And that yeah. means that when you play the major scale or the minor scale, it would be the ninth note in this pattern. So right here would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. And that sound that you get for the ninth is. Right. It is right up from the octave. It's not, it's what um, a whole step from the octave. So it's not that far from it. Right. It's just you're extending that scale. And that's why it's important to a learn. A ninth is just an octave of the second. Yeah, exactly. Which in both cases of the major and the minor scale is of a very neutral note. Yeah. Yeah. So that's <laughs> why it's important to know your scales front to back and how they extend and, and, and come back. Now, another thing that I mentioned. Um, is that we've talked a lot about in a couple of these episodes is where you want your thumb to be. And I yeah. happen to have these soap bar pickups. Mm-hmm. So I always get myself a good posture, a move so you can see. Now, I if I'm standing up, I'll drop this down here. Yeah. If I'm standing up, I'm gonna keep myself fairly straight. When I'm playing, you're gonna notice that I'm gonna be a little bit more bent. This will eventually lead to some form of irritation. So you might just have to drop your leg down if you're going to be playing. Yeah, I find that when I play guitar, like acoustic guitar, or I or I play bass sitting down, uh, my forearms just just start really aching. Yeah, you get. I was showing one of my students. You get. You could see. Mm-hmm. If I had the sailor lady, she'd be she'd be dancing right now with her hula. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah, it, when you're doing that, you're getting. Um, a lot more fatigue because yeah. you have these harsh angles. When you straighten yeah. out, it's a you lot. Don't lot get harsh. as much of the harsh angle, um, mm-hmm. and you're not, you know, you're not extending the ligaments and then moving the action. They're relaxed and then actioning, yeah. not extended yeah. and then actioning. <laughs> that has a lot to do with how your fatigue will be. Um, so one awesome thing that I'm gonna have to read this off of here. Um, but just watch my right hand. This is okay. Killian's exercise. So it's, yeah. I'm going to do this on the E string, open E string. And we have our one, our two, and then our three. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. Yeah. 
So our first finger, our <coughs> second finger, and our third finger. And so this pattern is going to be three, two, one, three. So, all right, so that's the first part of the pattern and there's three parts. So it's three, two, one, three, and then two, one, three, two. So three, two, one, three, and two, one, three, two. And then the last part of the pattern is one, three, two, one. And if you work on those three, those three gallops, um, it's an astonishing right hand technique. Now, Killian yeah. uses all 10 fingers. All right. There's no lie. When that dude plays his bass, he's like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> I, I can't even believe the stuff that he does, whether it's bass yeah. or guitar. He does amazing thumping, tapping, um, slapping, popping, finger picking, um, strumming chords and everything. It's so crazy. All the stuff that he can do. Um, but that is I've used that this technique now for a few of my students. Uh -huh. um, just to, I, I play with the pick, so I don't work on it that much for myself. I'm I'm a pick player. I do this sometimes to keep myself, but I also learn how to mm -hmm. just keep it going. Right. And I, I could hear that I was a little not even. So I have to learn yeah. how to pull myself down. Right. More of a gallop. Yeah. Yeah. And then and bring yourself down. Yeah. Um, it's really, really, really important stuff. Yeah. I'm so happy that we're able to give little lessons here. I know this is the, this is what I was really looking forward to is being able to share the lessons that'll really cut through the red tape, you know, and get yeah. people to and so these are the, these are the main points that I think that we should focus on. Um, yeah. Everything else that we'll cover from how to hold a pick, um, yeah. what strings to use, how to tune, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, there's a whole segment we can do, or the whole thing we could do about pick versus fingers too. So, and everybody, just know we're just starting off. This is just the yeah. beginning. This is yeah. just the beginning. Yeah. This is so great. Kind of we can talk about fourth episode in. We're already doing lessons. Who would have thought? Hey. We'd be able to do this, right. <laughs> to finish off, and I'm gonna do all of these in the example of D. All right. So whatever you'll see me doing from here on out will be an example of it. But the major scale is our first anchoring point that we want to drill over and over. We want to go. The reason why we want to do that is because out of the seven diatonic modes, three of those modes are major. If we want to play the Lydian mode, and what I mean by major is they use what's called a major third. So that means that our third note is two full steps away. All right. Our third note in this pattern is two steps away. So it makes it major because that. That's just called a major third. If you don't know, it is. So the Lydian mode is just the major mode. With a raised fourth. So a Lydian mode would be. We changed one note. The mixolydian mode would be the same as the major, except we would have a flat seventh. So it'd be like this. That's it. Now you know all three of those modes because you drilled that major mode over and over. What again. is the major also called as a mode? Ionian. The Ionian. Uh, Ionian, uh, Mixolydian, and. Uh, I, I did Ionian and then Lydian and then Mixolydian. I did them in their modal order. Yeah. The other 
mode is that that we're going to drill over and over is the minor mode again i'm going to do this in the key of d relative to that major would be the key of b but eh, i'm doing it over here so <laughs> so we have d minor it is d minor because i'm starting it on the d note which is the 10th fret on the e string before we did it over here right so now we're doing it over here same pattern if we want to play another one of the modes let's say the phrygian mode we would play the same pattern except the second note is going to get flattened so our pattern is now to play the phrygian mode now reset ourselves back to the minor mode Now, if we want to play the Dorian mode, which would be the second mode of the diatonic modes right after the major, we're going to play the same exact thing as the minor mode, except we're going to raise the sixth note up one half step. Sorry. <laughs> there we go. Boom. The only other mode left is the most difficult and it's the Locrian mode. And the reason why it's the most difficult is because now we have to move two notes as opposed to every other time when we only had to move one. And now Locrian, we are going to move the second note of the minor scale down. And we're also going to move the fifth note down, both by a half step. So now our pattern is this. done that's all and seven diatonic modes also the minor is just the minor is called what also oh and the minor is called aeolian right there so our diatonic mode order by the little anagram that i like to use is i don't pick lemons my aunt likes that means ionian or major dorian phrygian lydian mixolydian aeolian or minor locrian and then it repeats so the major and the minor, they have two different names, but that's major is Ionian, yeah. Aeolian is minor. Yeah, it's not um, hard to remember them. If you remember those orders, that's half the battle, right? But really all you have to do is just know where a major is. If you're playing anywhere that you just, if you find your major, if you find where the do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, di, do, if you find out where that is, in a song, then you just go down a step and a half, and now you play your minor uh, minor pattern. Yay! I hope somebody learned something from that. That's awesome. They better. You know, right? <laughs> this is the basics of the basics, but this is very, very important. So if you don't know this already, then this is you just need to watch this over and get it down. Sorry. All right. So I got to meet up with my good friend Killian Duarte from Scale the Summit and the nine million other bands that he shreds along. Um, he's also an astonishing music teacher of both guitar and bass. Um, here is Killian talking about a few of his techniques that he likes to uh, focus on, as well as a couple of things that has taught him how to play the bass and how to better approach it. 
All right. All right. Today's guest is Killian Duarte. He is the bass player of Scale the Summit and Angel Vivaldi and a bunch of other awesome uh, bands. This dude is a phenom on the bass guitar. Uh, if you go to his Instagram page, you will probably want to hang up your bass. But I myself feel invigorated when I see a dude shred the way he does. So welcome, Killian. Dude, thank, thank you so much for having me on here. Honestly, I, I missed uh, seeing you and like, honestly, a uh, big honor to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, man. Yeah, we're really excited to bring this uh, podcast to life. Um, and just, you know, and I'm going to reiterate this over and over all throughout the podcast, but the whole purpose of this for me, for my aspect is to give people the shortcuts that took so many of us so many years uh, to figure out just by, you know, trial and tribulation. And uh, so, yeah, so I just wanted to talk about a couple of things. Uh, number one, what is the the right hand technique that you relied on the most and as well as the left hand technique for when it came to playing bass in specific? Um. So when I was a little younger, I had a little bit of a playing injury scare and I went back to the drawing board and I saw a player named Gary Willis and he gave me this um, technique. Um, I cannot recommend Gary Willis enough, but of raising your elbow for technical music. The reason why for this is for the right hand specific uh, answer is that when you have your elbow raised up, when you're doing technical things, your wrist is straight versus where you see a lot of fusion guys, they do what I call Raptor claw. And that can lead to a lot of strain issues here because you're technically like giving an obstacle between where the energy is being transferred. So that was a big one. And then on top of that was my three finger technique, which was from Billy Sheehan, um, which I was very fortunate enough to like do some work with him. And it's basically, Three two one three, two one three two, one three two one technique to break up the gallop. Um, now, and you do that. It's twelve notes, right? Mm -hmm. Broken into a movement of three fingers, separated four notes at a time. Exactly. So right. um, that between those two things are the biggest things from my right hand that have helped me. Um, I will say this as much as the breaking the four note pattern, I really try and give all my students injury prevention. Try and raise your elbow. If you ever feel strain, try and correct things your body feels. Your body is always telling you if it's straining yourself. And I play a lot of technical crazy music. So like stuff like that. Like if so if you're playing a lot of crazy stuff, don't ever do like this. Try and raise your elbow. So that's for that. For my left hand, uh, it's much more simple. Uh, real quick before we get there. How do you position your right hand? Now, I have a, a very, um, I don't know, I, I just look into this a lot. I, I'm very intrigued about this. But now, you play so many things and you move so fluently with your fingers. Thank you. Do you ever do four fingers? Um, I do for four note patterns on my low string. So um, let's say if like I'm playing an abiotic song, go but it's one end of one end of one end of it. Then I'll do like a flurry, like a flamenquilla. Yeah. Now, when you do that, how are you positioning yourself? Because all four fingers, right, for new players, right, all four fingers are different heights. So when I when I do 
uh, three finger patterns, I have to shorten up my middle finger a lot. You know uh, no, I mean? no, no, no. To, to match, and then to match my pinky, I would have to shorten them up even more. Yeah. So I only use four fingers for bursts. So that's very specific. So let's pretend my finger is a string. So if I'm going, so I will raise and angle my hand. Right. Yeah. You're you're angling okay. your hand to bring it right. Well, when I do three, I try and uh, do what Billy Sheehan does is that I try and level up everything. So four awesome. is that I'm doing a burst and coming down like it's an angled burst. But with three, when I'm doing like 30 second notes, it's like that. But that, that is a very good question because a lot of people like I do use my pinky. I had to it, figure that out on my own. You know what I mean? And that's the whole purpose of this is like that. You know how long it took me to just sit there and like flub a note and be like, why is that? Why every time when I hit with this finger, is it falling behind or is this one too far ahead? It's because they're different lengths. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, have to make, of, you have to make up for that on your own. Yeah, a big part of my private instruction um, is showing people how to like, regardless of their anatomy, is to kind of compensate for regardless of their handship. Like, look, dude, I'm five and a half feet tall. I don't have big hands, but it doesn't matter. I play bass, I play upright bass, whatever. Um, I think anyone's anatomy can be adjusted slightly to be able to do these things. And I, I, I always bring that message of optimism to people. We're like, especially with like slap stuff and stuff like that. Like, oh, my thumb is shaped weird. I go like, dude, I have like a little itty thumb. Like, I think it's just, there are a lot of things that people, it's details, it's little details. And I think that that's important because I think as much as the internet's awesome, we also have done this culture of where like, oh, well, there's a video, go figure it out. But, you know, first time I taught, I, I studied with Matthew Garrison, he taught me a lot of things in person, where it's like little nuances with that. Um, but I'm not trying to deviate too long. The second thing is, and it's tied to that, with my left hand. Um, and it's really one finger for fret for everything, doing scale exercises, and trying to eliminate finger flare. And uh, finger what? So like when you're doing certain scales, just when we're starting to develop left hand technique, like um, just by the nature of how our tendons work, like we have like a finger that will flare out. Like we have pinky flare. Oh, finger flare, yeah. A finger yeah. flare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I try to reduce it as much as I can. I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it. Uh, and I don't think anyone is. I've seen Anthony Jackson and Victor wouldn't have finger flare. But the difference is the purpose is that you always have one finger per fret. And that if you do a complicated motion, you don't have a finger that flares out. Like you ever have an introductory. Right. I call that staying yeah. at attention. That's a good way of putting it as well. Yeah. 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 I noticed that like, uh, especially in the beginning, like if I would hit with, with one finger, right. The, all the others would go out. That's a very common thing. Right. Or yeah. people like, like will completely throw the pinky out, you know, like really far. And yeah. I, as I got better at things, I was like, well, why is this guy faster? You know, why can he hit that riff faster? And then it's like, well, my hand looks like I'm playing whack-a-mole. And his hand... It's calm. Looks like that. It just, like, if you, if you see, like, um, a perfect example, it's not a bass player, but, like, Guthrie Govan, his left hand is just, like, smooth as silk. It looks like he's barely moving. And what it is, basically, that's just a lot of scale exercises, a lot of exercises as well. Um 
So, you know, again, you know, another thing yeah. I, I'm wondering about you, because uh, you uh, mentioned that you have small hands, right? Um, <laughs> but I, I, I do this thing called splitting the difference, where I make sure that my thumb, right? Like, uh, part of this is with your your scale patterns that you do. Do you do two note or three note patterns? Both. Like, I, I teach my students to do both. So, like, I do when I do make them do the circle of fifths, I do straight ahead and then I make them do like broken patterns. So it's like one, two, three, two, three, four, three, four, five. And so two and three. So yeah, both. So when I do like a, like a three, five, seven pattern, third fret, fifth fret, seventh fret, right? Mm -hmm. I always center myself, especially cause I play these 35 uh, inch scale bases, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, it's those the jump is so big so i always center around my middle finger area because mm -hmm. i tell people a lot of people they'll they'll start off their starting point here with their index finger right so they'll have to reach for the fifth fret and then reach again for the seventh fret where if i center myself on the fifth fret i just have to go back a little bit for the third and up a little bit for the seven so like I split the difference of the distance and I, and I really focus that with my thumb. I was just wondering if you had similar. Um, I definitely believe in relaxed left-hand thumb. Uh, I mean, one of the things I found is the more you tighten up on the grip on the neck, uh, the more uh, the obstacles that your fingers are going to have to face are going to be harder. Um, I always say, I, but I'll say this as a caveat. I'm a very strange person in the sense that, People go like, oh, I can't play a jazz bass neck or I can't play a P bass neck. And I play guitar as well. They'd be like, well, hey, Ibanez necks or, or Strat necks. I don't actually feel neck profiles. I'm a very weird. I only guy. do on the extremes, man. I mean, granted, most of what I play is similar. Like, it really doesn't matter if I'm playing a six string guitar, an eight string guitar, or my five string bass, or even when I had the sixes. Most of what I play all has a really thin profile. But yeah. even when I get to the oddballs, like the strats or, you know, a Gibson chunky neck, unless it's really extreme, I'd notice I don't even notice it anymore. And I, I don't use my thumb a lot. I could play almost everything I play. I could play without my thumb even there at this point. Well, right? I think it's because you, you do have good left thumb technique in the sense that like where you are a multi-instrumentalist and you're not having this obstacle. I think it's more to the fact that you have a relaxed thumb and that you're distributing the duties to your fingers more than you're gripping tightly. What I find and, that and I'm also, and I also use both too, right? So like um, by splitting the difference, mm -hmm. each time I try to attack a note similar to you, one finger per fret, right? Mm -hmm. I'm using not just the index finger, but part of the thumb. And then when I switch, I sometimes i wrote i'll rotate on my thumb especially on a bass right with mm -hmm. the big the bigger scale sometimes you just got to rotate on the thumb mm -hmm. and again i find i find that it you don't have to work so hard with your pinky right if your thumb's sharing the work um i agree totally um again um uh, i'm very traditionalist in that sense like you know just scale circle assists um you can't undo that discipline i think that you know, whether you want to make music theory a bigger part of your life, I can, my life theory is just the more information you have, the better. So the better me, the advantage, right? Yeah. It's just in general, like 
I don't feel that like ignorance has ever given anyone an advantage. Um, so I am not a music theory elitist in any capacity because so many good songwriters have written amazing songs not knowing what a G major scale is. But if someone were to ask me like, hey, how can I improve my form on my left hand? How can I play technical music? I'd make you run scales. And whether you want to integrate that into how you approach composition, that's up to you, how you analyze harmony. But I think that... Um, this is a great segue because yeah. I, I was going to ask you next, what is your favorite harmony to accent? What is your favorite interval to bring up as far as making the bass stand out or sit back in? So when... When I had sent you this question previously, yeah. I didn't specify, right? So this is really a great um, expansion. What do you like to accent to make the bass stand out? And what do you like to accent to make the bass sit nicely? Yeah, no, it's a wonderful question. Um, so I always say this, and the people who I give definitive, like, you know, very kind of demonstrative, like, definitive answers to this, I think they kind of are missing kind of the point. And what I say is that context matters. So every right. recording with every musician, with every player, with every context is a different challenge for me. And I view every musician I work with, every scenario as a unique scenario. So I've played a ton of wedding bands, I've played on tours, I've played in theater gigs, I've done GB, I've done recording sessions. Um, the only standard I can give to any player is that the more you know and the more you're willing to be open-minded is the best advice. Um, open-minded is a key phrase here. I just, I would like to reiterate that over and over um, because in the beginning, that was, that that's like huge secret to making big strides is like in the beginning, I wouldn't play certain kinds of music because I wanted to play other kinds of music so much, not realizing that there's fundamentals from other genres and other building blocks of music that the artists that we listen to did take from and yeah. did bring that to the forefront. And when you learn, um, the, the, I can't say because people will hate me, but there's a band that I do am not fond of, mm -hmm. but... I grew up listening to a band that used to cover that band's songs all the time. And I loved them. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to play these songs, but they were faster. And I sucked at them, so I had to go back and learn the songs from the band that I didn't love. Yeah. They were at a slower pace, and then I was able to shine with them. Um, again, like every little thing tempo... Um, kind of attack everything is a learning experience so like like playing in a wedding band and also playing in a punk band are equally beneficial and like people would be like well one you have to you, you can just phone in i go like no dude like the stage presence you can't playing phone in down picking people could say whatever they want i've played in punk bands you can't phone that in dude exactly you, you can't. can't there are a lot of people who fake it and it sounds like shit yeah, if, if, you, if you strum if you just strum away some power chords sure yeah you could fake it but yeah if if you're sub, if you're doing your job you can't phone it in no matter the genre I the think. same way that when you do or fake like i don't know like 
a lot of pop music or whatever. There's an art to both of those things. And the thing is that like, you know, for me, uh, uh, when you're talking about intervals, so to make it shine, uh, context is everything. So if I'm in a project where I'm personally involved and I'm allowed to have free reign, I try always to accentuate the song. But at the same time, I'm also view the bass guitar as a color, meaning that like, so I remember watching a lot of my favorite guitar players because I'm very influenced by guitar players. And I, again, Angel, Chris, fucking, you know me, my resume, like I'm just playing with guitar players all the time. Yeah, but for, for guitar players, you know, they'll do a record and be like, well, let's do a solo with a Les Paul. Let's do rhythms with the telly. Let's try this technique with that. I very much was in that school of production where a lot of bass players were like, well, we got to do monochromatic black for the thing or a monochromatic approach to something where a lot of the records I found that I would play certain parts with the pick, I play certain parts with my fingers, I would tap certain lines, I'd slap certain lines, it works really well for certain genres. Um, I, I guess the only thing I could say is that like uh, with technique and stuff like that, but Go, going back around, I don't mean to caveat too much. Um, ninths, minor thirds. For those who don't know what a ninth is, can you please explain to people what a ninth is? Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, so if I was playing a scale within a chord, so like let's say I'm playing an A major chord, um, the ninth is an octave above and then one note above. So it's the second note of the scale. Um, an octave above. So in the case of Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti, Do, Re. Yeah, it's Do above and Re. Um, it's a nice thing if uh, any prog fans here, you hear like Martin Mendez, you know, that, um, he does that a lot. Like he'll just like do a little slide in to stuff. This is for like chill parts where you want to just not make it too generic. Um, I do that. I'm I'm a very big I'm a huge uh, fan of the ninth. It's it's become yeah. my favorite interval um to even even if I'm not given free reign um on something yeah. like it cuz live is live, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was one of the first I think it it probably happened by mistake too, you know, um sliding up too fast or something. Um but I started accenting that a lot. Um, playing up through a power chord and then adding the ninth is such a beautiful and simple bass line. So beautiful, so simple. Sounds good in pretty much every spot in every song. If it's, if it's a four chord progression song too, forget about it. You could do it on every single chord. <laughs> and also you're, you're not being um, excessive usually. Um um, no, it just sounds sweet. It's like one extra note, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it just gives a little tension to the chord, the root note that you're trying to play. Again, yeah. context, everything. But I'm also, um, with speaking about fundamental stuff, like the four records I'm releasing this year, there's yeah. a lot of kick drum play. And I think that there is so much you can do with just sticking with the kick drum. So um, if you have a drummer with great feet, if they know exactly where to accentuate how to play with the feet um again if you have a generic drummer that's kind of like not very talented like i guess you're gonna have to just do what you got to do but like when you have very talented drummers that you're working with 
there are really awesome things you can just even do with a root and an octave. Like I'm a big fan of like the fifth of the octave, as long as you keep it within kick drum safety. And if you are really good with like ghost notes and like really kind of doing those like micro little tensions and knowing how to place notes and like release tension release, these are things you learn like recording for years. But um, yeah, I'm really happy with my rhythm section work on these records. And uh, I would say that even with my pop, work and the things I'm doing that are totally not within my big band things. Just like understanding the kick drum and the snare relationship is so vital. And then knowing how to use fifth and octave. Right. And and for those who don't know, uh root fifth octave is just like a power chord shape. You yeah. can look you can look it up very easily. Um it does sound awesome if you strum it on a bass sometimes that you know. Um, yeah. It, and chords sound great on bass too if you're in the right it, context. Yeah, if you're yeah right if you're in the right context, right. Usually you could just play them up a little bit higher on the neck. Usually everything sounds a little bit smoother in a higher octave, uh, less mud. But if you have the right, the right like settings, the right tone, the right attack, you can right play, moment. Yeah, yeah. Anything can, go, anything goes right moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so. What arpeggio, or, or what what type of arpeggiation would you suggest someone uh, to dive into when it comes to taking the first steps into prog rock? Right. So we have root fifth octave, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we've talked about the ninth. When you do prog stuff, do you ever accent the third, the sixth? Um, fourth or the seventh what i mean that's that's a very loaded question but i if of I course to... of course it is oh, no, no. we wouldn't be here if it wasn't oh no but... of course um but i but i do have an answer for you so i would say that if you're first dipping your toes into the pool i think that a lot of prog is based on metal and a lot of metal inherently is based more on minor scales so learn your dorian and aeolian modes and just minor third fifth um, you'll just start seeing that pattern more than you will other scales. I'm not saying you won't. I'm just saying like in that world, minor or metal is kind of like that darker sound, darker sound of minor. So minor, uh, alien and Dorian, minor third. Um, especially if like you're a kid, you're starting to learn music, which again, I, I'm such a anti-gatekeeper with learning things. So if you're, someone that's learning prog or just someone that just wants to learn songs uh do that i think there's nothing wrong with just learning those basics shapes and i want to express this again yearn to learn because mm -hmm. i i by the time this podcast has reached you know the episodes that we have scripted i'm probably going to say this ten thousand times but i figured out how to play both guitar and bass and everything musical theory like trying to figure out an upside down, uh, yeah, a, an upside down puzzle in the dark all by okay. myself. Um, that that's probably like a million or ten million pieces, like it just poking and prodding, really having no idea. And with all that structure, I was very worried about crushing creativity by having to study music theory, mm -hmm. and. I swear to you, it didn't happen. 
I swear to you, I can write so much more, so much quicker now. Um, and But I didn't, I learned it by myself, right? So it took me a really long time to even grasp the concept of scales. But I'll tell you, all these years later, and I didn't learn scales for years, but all these years later, I can explain scales to you in a way that will blow your mind because of my deep understanding. And so much of that just came from the relentless Google the pattern, do the pattern, okay. do the pattern a million times until you know everything about it and what's going on. Why is a Dorian pattern a minor mode, right? Why, why is the Dorian mode a minor mode? Why, why is that? Why is the Lydian mode a major mode? Mm-hmm. Why is that? What, it, what effect does the tritone have? These crazy questions will, like, once you learn the answers to them and you just, you, you learn the answers by putting in the time and, and, and seeing a note and hearing it and getting that feedback and feeling it in your fingertips and feeling the bass resonate with the kick drum, right? All like feeling that stuff and putting the time in, that's where you get your understanding. And there's no other way to do it than to just want to figure it out. You know, um, absolutely. I couldn't. I don't even more. know the question that I've been trying to answer for all these years. I just know that I'm trying to answer the question. <laughs> I think that that's one of the beautiful things about music is the fact that it is inherently art. It is going to be up to interpretation. Um, it, it comes down to um, the one thing I can recommend to any musician that wants to realize what it takes to achieve excellence, and it's never be an island, be around other musicians. Because no matter how inherently talented you are, no matter how much drive you have, being around other people's creative energy is gonna get something out of you that you cannot imagine. Like like these records I'm doing this year could not have happened without being around these absolutely wonderful people. Like, you know, we're bo- we both played with Angel, we both played with a bunch of people and it's, their interpretation of these frequencies and everything will make you a better player. So the most more musicians you play where, with will just inherently make you better. Um, well, and we've all been on our own journey too. And that's the thing. Everybody's been on the same but different journey, right? We've all, a, a lot of us who can, who do understand complex musical ideas and melodic breakdowns, and rhythmic structures that would make people's heads explode. We, we came about all of this by poking around our own particular way mm-hmm. and then coming to our conclusion. And then we collaborate with someone who did that same thing, but they came about it this way. Mm-hmm. And it's great that you brought up the kick drum because something a lot of bass players come to bass from guitar. I did, right? Um, a lot of bass players come that way. Something I would like to explain to new um, bass players or, or, you know, beginner bass players or even remotely advanced uh, bass players. Drummers count things differently. Yep. And you have, like, we count like guitar players when we play bass. We really do. Um, Sometimes we'll count like drummers, but I've met more bass players that count more like a guitar player when it comes to how we're structuring out riffs, how we're structuring out patterns. Drummers always have twice as long as the rest of us. Always. 
we always look at things in smaller patterns. And I think that's because when we're trying to practice and we're trying to learn, we break it down in smaller sections where drummers, they have this groove, unless they're doing crazy syncopation and stuff I call the code, right? Mm. Um, doing these crazy syncopated patterns. Um, unless they're doing that, they're really just keeping a groove. It's like groove fill, groove fill, groove fill. You know, that's that's playing drums sometimes. And uh, it's just when you can figure out how to break down the drummer's time, not yours, you can have a larger um, you can have a larger idea that you can get across. You brought up playing off the kick drum and you said, you know, if you don't have an experienced drummer, there's that Carol K video that I love. I love Carol K. Yeah, oh my gosh. Bad. I have learned so much. Senpai. Her outlook. Senpai K. <laughs> um, but the that video that she has of making the metronome dance. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to find, first off. I can't just always just find it. But if you have a drummer who's just with his kick drum, you can make that kick drum move if you want to. Absolutely. You know, uh, another part of this, uh, it might even be this particular podcast. I got to figure out where, where it is. But uh, another thing that we've discussed on this podcast is being on the upbeat, being on the downbeat being ahead of the beat, being behind the beat. That's a big thing. Hitting your bass right before the kick drum, My right pop after gig, the kick drum. I've been so fortunate um, with wedding theater and I'm in a Duran Duran tribute band. Um, so being in pop gigs um, professionally has been so fantastic with understanding pop grooves. And like, there's a lot of people who play metal or rock. They go like, well, pop music's easy. I go like, have you ever like real, I'm not saying that it isn't, yes, playing dream theater or playing tech death is harder. Yes, I'm not gonna debate that. The difference is that there's an art to each and there's a beautiful art and a mastery to playing pop music extremely well. And there's a reason why you see like Sugarfoot play with Michael Jackson and why he nails it and like, you know, you'll see some, um, Al, I forget what the bass player. To play anything right yeah. is hard. To yeah, play exactly. anything like a specialist is not easy. Yeah, exactly. and like I learned in the beginning, right, just to play power chords instead of open chords. And that meant that when I played song, yeah, I was playing the song, but was I playing it exact? Was I giving that song all the spice? No, man. You know, and the same goes for those grooves. Anyone can just four four through a pop song, um, but saucing it really. Good. But yeah, but saucing it and making that kick drum and your bass make everyone's hips in that entire stadium shake. That's that, the that's difference. Just, making an audience dance is is a unique accomplishment. It's like when you're in a metal band, if you can make people mosh or thrash or like freak out but you're 100% right if you can make an audience dance it's a unique accomplishment if you get well. their hips going and that's all bass and kick drum it's mm-hmm. that's that relationship is what makes that happen and i and and that's not just always playing on the one that's dancing with that kick drum it's the it's that pocket in grease yeah and and uh, the more you do it the more you get it yeah absolutely couldn't agree more Awesome. Yeah. So, hey, that's all the questions I have, my dude. 
This was uh, very informative. I hope everyone is uh, taking this information from this phenom of the bass guitar, Killian Duarte. Um, what is your Instagram? Uh, so my Instagram is my name, Killian Duarte Bass. So let me spell that because my name is not generic. K-I-L-I-A-N-D-U-A-R-T-E-B-A-S-S. Uh, that's my Instagram. Uh, you can see me play a lot of stuff on there, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you so very much. And please, everybody, go follow him so that way you can decide whether your base wants to be firewood or a creative tool. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Always yeah. make it a creative tool. And then uh, that way you could be a creative tool. Yeah, <laughs> no, man. But, thank, uh, you so thank you so very much for your time. Um, very eye opening. And it's been such a pleasure to have a conversation with you. And I hope we get to have you on again. Dude, I, I can't wait to see you again, man. Be safe. Yeah, we don't know what the, the final form of this is going to be. So just understand, I will be having you on again for uh, another elongated conversation because there is so much that I would love to unpack with you. You have such a great valued knowledge and a wide range of instruments. It's so crazy. So thank you so much, man. Thanks so much, man. Have a wonderful night, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. All right. Peace. So that was Killian. Um, and I learned so much in talking to him. Every time that I get to talk to him, either on Instagram or whatever, or even on the road, um, I first met him actually at an Angel Vivaldi music video shoot. Mm -hmm. um, and he's just, him and I just hit it off, man. He's just, he's so down to earth. Yeah, he's, he seems real sweet, real nice. He's so nice. He's had that killer bunny. I don't know if you caught the bunny in that interview, but his bunny is in the background in the cage. <gasps> how did I How did I, I believe his name bunny? is Moon Pie, if I'm oh not God, mistaken. I love bunnies. Um, I oh. think, he, I forget if he said the name during the interview, but uh, yeah. It must have been on the take you didn't send me because you have more on your Patreon, right? So um, I, it wasn't in that, in that part. Oh yeah, so right, right. So yeah, um, but he, I'm pretty sure he posts about it. it. You could follow him. He does give his Instagram. You can follow. He has a, a an insta famous bunny rabbit. Yeah. I have. I, I used to have a bunny. He he died a couple years ago, but they're the sweetest animals. They just poop everywhere, and then they they eat all your cords. Right. And so, yeah, that's you know, another thing. So I do all these extended, uh, the extended cuts of the interviews yes. are posted on my Patreon. Um, yeah. Usually you get a few extra minutes in the beginning or at the end or mm -hmm. in between. We don't always use the full interviews for this um, particular podcast to keep it down. But whenever you see me do an interview, we always have the extended ones on my Patreon, which mm -hmm. is patreon.com slash official. And when Holly does hers, sometimes she yeah. throws up her extra stuff on her Patreon, which is yeah. patreon.com slash slash Holly West music, right? Yes. Yeah, I don't have a, any of them up yet, but I'm editing them to put them up with Chris Bell and Pete Merluzzi. Uh, got some funny questions in there and some cool banter. Yeah, any of that support always helps us just bring more because we'll be honest, yeah. right? Why are we making this podcast? Just because we really want to just share this information with everyone yeah. right we can't take this information with us and that's the whole purpose of this podcast is yeah. to make sure that you guys out there get to figure out some of the shortcuts yeah. from 
our years of trying to figure this out because it's such a complex puzzle, isn't it? You know, it is, but it's so easy it's when you're so at the easy. top it's, looking down and you're like, "Why did I get that?" <laughs> it's like it's like if you're in the the shining maze, right? But then you just yeah. you just run through the bushes. That's yeah. kind of what <laughs> you know. You just kind of just whatever, just yeah. glitch through. Yeah. I, I don't know through the matrix, why right? I spent so much time, so much of my life, so many years of my life, just not knowing what the notes of the strings were. Because it's- Why did I do that? <laughs> it is confusing with um, a stringed instrument, a stringed guitared instrument, right? Whether it's um, any form of folk instrument, um, lute, mandolin, bass, guitar, mm -hmm. uh, the Russian guitars, any of these, instruments they're not laid out like a piano they are staggered notes some like banjos or and 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 uh mandolins and it like some stuff is tuned to fifth some stuff is tuned to fourth some stuff is tuned open exactly you know like yeah you know so there's it, it gets a little frustrating because yeah. the problem is is these things we mm -hmm. can tune it Mm -hmm. So since we can move this, everything gets confusing. If you use a different tuning, does the scale change? You know, the only time that these scales ever alter is when we use drop tunings, when we tune one string, or if we yeah. do an open tuning, we tune yeah. all the strings. If yeah. we tune to any standard tuning, I don't care if it's C standard, E standard, D standard, A standard, if you are using standard tuning, these patterns that I showed you earlier in this podcast, these patterns will work. Yeah. They will work. You just have to, all you have to know is your root note. Yeah. If you learn your root note, anywhere you play that major pattern, it's going to be the major scale. It's going to sound yeah. good. Yeah. If you move down a step and a half from that major and then you play that minor pattern that I also showed you, mm -hmm. it's also going to sound good. It also sounds good. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. And, and, well, and it's not just it's also not just learning those scales, right? It's learning really those two patterns are the most common major and minor happy and sad. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just learning them. It's also learning where one is compared to the to other, the other, right? You yeah. hear this thing called tonal center, yeah. right? It's not just where your do re mi is laying. Mm -hmm. It's also, you know, like it, it's where that is. And then you move and the then other you side play the minor the scale over a major progression. Yeah. It just yeah. has to be the relative minor. Yeah. It can't be a parallel minor. It has to be the relative minor. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the best thing to do is just go through the scales. Drill it. Dread them. Drill, drill them drill. and shred them. If you don't know the names of the notes of your strings, that's your first step. And your second step is learning the major minor, minor scale and uh, then we'll go into modes and things like that. But I swear to you that if we wrote this book on how to learn every <laughs> note across the fretboard, it would only have to be two pages. Mm -hmm. It's really not that difficult. It's just yep. it all starts it, with those two patterns. Yeah, it's it's really just getting your mind to understand that there's certain things that you really need and you really need to drill them. And the rest of it is your creativity that flows. And so every Every musician has a different creativity that comes out of it, has a different form of, you know, their music that comes out of them. So even though they're, you know, 
12 notes and there are um, seven whole notes. We are basically just using all of those the way that we want to use them in our in our brain. We're getting them out there. And so that's the magic of music. This is just a tool. It's just a hammer and a box of nails. And yeah, the musician uses these tools to get their music out. Um, we're not just bassists. We are musicians. It's important Correct. to know that. <laughs> We're not just bassists. We're not just bassists, damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's, we want you to know. <laughs> I'm so happy that we've been able to have great guests on here too, which because, you know, we haven't just had bass players. We've had people who understand bass. Yes. And understand where it's supposed to be, and you know, some of these guests will be bass players, but some of them are people who just understand frequency mm -hmm. bass is uh, like we said in the last episode bass is really just a representation of the lower harmonies right mm -hmm. bass could even be the left hand on a piano yeah it exactly. really is you know you you really are or the feet yeah yeah you're down there um oh man i had this student the other day um she plays a harp oh cool at school of rock she plays a harp nice she showed us the harp. It looks just like a harp in one of those old movies. Yeah. You know how weird and rare that is for someone to to That's have a harp? Awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I not like a harpsichord harp or not like yeah. like a harp. Yeah. It's you know, so in cool. Woodstock, there's this place that we play at. And um, next door is where we have the dressing rooms. And there's a harp in the dining room. And I just thought that was the coolest part of the whole house. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> It's like, you know, I know I, know I don't have a, my regular background, but like my stand-up bass, for instance, it's, uh, you know, it's- Yeah, you're looking very really cool beaded in time for Christmas and- Yeah, <laughs> well, there's red underneath. It is always red there's... underneath. Hey, what's black and white and red all over? Holly's background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holly and her background, look at you. Holly and her background, what? You with your red lipstick, you're black and white and red all over. This is pink lipstick. Well, it's red enough for me. Okay. <laughs> with your salmon, with your salmon lipstick over there. Salmon, your salmon lipstick. <laughs> That's my New Jersey accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got, I got my New Jersey accent just right. Can you just do right. a Texan accent? I, I don't know, but y'all is my favorite word. <laughs> it is um, a word. Like famously, it's like the most efficient word. Like it is. I, it's the most efficient I word. I think. Crazy for you, you, but it's not. You, you all. You all. You all. You know what's funny? In the South, when you say you all, it's almost offensive. <laughs> right? Seriously. I, I like uh, you all. Down uh, down South, you get y'all. Yeah. And up North, you get. Uh, Use guys. My favorite is, want to go for a rip there, eh, bud? What? Hey, bud. Hey, want to go for a rip there, eh, bud? Uh, you hey, got to get up in the North up there. Hey, you bud. Know? <laughs> eh? it's funny yep so yeah killian had some awesome information i'm really glad that we had him on um and you know you're talking about stuff that's pretty he will definitely come back on if people like what they see with him yeah um, he has a I great way of, of explaining things and in, in teaching his and getting his point across which i really like yeah and he's um he teaches lessons just like you mm -hmm. just like me 
Yeah. Um, and he would love to come back on here and do some yeah. stuff. So if yeah, maybe we could do with him to come back on, comment down below, mm -hmm. or on Instagram or on YouTube or on Spotify or wherever you're hearing this um, or seeing this. Yeah. Um, just know that um, we will be listening. So if you guys like that, we will have these guests on. These guests are our friends. Mm -hmm. These guests are people who we've come across. Um, and, you know, we look up to some of our friends and, you know, like I didn't I didn't have a fancy music school. Mm. I didn't have I don't have a college <laughs> degree from Berkeley, but mm -mm. I could shred face around so many of those kids and probably yeah. better than a lot of them. Not all of them. Right. But a lot of them. And I just learned by literally asking my friends. I love telling my students that I learned how to new how to make a pinch harmonic. Mm -hmm. In a asking. asking a question to my friend without a guitar in my hand, yeah. I asked a question to my friend at a 7-Eleven parking lot, and he explained it to me. And then I went home and I kept doing exactly what he said until I got that sound. Yeah. It took hours, weeks, months, years. It took forever. That was the only thing that but I, I picked up like that. What? <laughs> that was the only thing I picked up like that. When I was 13 and taking guitar lessons, right. I asked him, I asked my guitar teacher, I'm like, what's that sound? What is that called? And he said, it's a pinched harmonic. He's like, I can, I can show you how to do them. And he did it. And I just did it automatically. I'm like, I could, oh, I, cool. I was able to get the sound, but not like the Zach Wilde where you get it so perfect yeah, every exactly. single time where you could just, woo and like hold it forever like yeah. i can always get like a little bit of the sound right i also thought that i would do it like i thought that you were doing like the hovering harmonic with the left mm -hmm. hand yeah, I thought that yeah you were hitting that quick and then like yeah. hit that and then push down and then move it i didn't know that it was all the left hand yeah, all so like i was like fucking back oh. <laughs> i was backwards about it <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah, it's a it's a technique, you know, crazy. techniques are different than skills, you know, you, techniques are things that you have to work on, but you have to gain the skills to use those techniques. People think I'm crazy, but between teaching and playing for personal and for professional, sometimes I play 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. There is no mistake why I can do certain things. And back in the beginning, I couldn't. I'll mm -hmm. tell you the biggest reason is because mm -hmm. I wasn't playing 10 hours a day. <laughs> like yeah. that has so much to do with it. Yeah. And you know how you asked me earlier, like how I learned. And so my first band, um, I didn't know anything about what I was doing, but I just, you know, had a guy there that was teaching me how to, how to get the sounds out. And so I didn't have enough time to, from the time that I picked up the bass to my first show, I didn't have enough time to learn theory. I had enough time to get these songs down. So yeah, then in well, the next band, I started learning theory. I didn't know theory for my first 10 bands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and, and that's the truth, and that's the truth. Like, you can do most uh -huh. without knowing any theory. True, true. But you cannot do all as quickly <laughs> or as well you know like i don't want to say can't right because some people yeah. just totally can but yeah like theory is if you can then you know theory even if you don't know how to vocalize theory it like if you can see cut. all the shapes and you can see all the things yeah, yeah. and you like you know theory right yeah um 
people always used to tell me that I knew music theory. I just didn't know how to explain it. Right. Uh Because when you play something and you're like, all right, that's the harmonic minor scale. Like, you know, theory, you just don't know that it's the harmonic minor scale, dude. Mm -hmm. Like you just don't know that when you play something that sounds evil that, Oh bro, that's the harmonic minor or that's the Phrygian dominant or that's the harmonic major. Like, you just don't know these things but you know the way it sounds. So if mm-hmm. you're playing it right, you know it. Why not know what it's called? Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. know, and, and so, but with mm-hmm. that, you don't have to know theory to play most music. No. You have to know a couple things. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you, drilling the major scale and the minor scale on whatever instrument, whether it's vocally or yeah. whether it's on a piano um on drums right you can't you but like knowing your basic rudiments Uh um but on guitar bass synth saxophone i don't care Mm -hmm. um knowing your major scale and your minor scale you can just that's how you learn how to jam with someone you know Mm -hmm. think marty mcfly yeah Yeah. blues and g watch me for the changes how are they able to do that because they all know the blues scale in g that's why and it's easy it's really you know, like they, yeah, they all know their their one, four, five progression. Like that's and they it. know where G is. They know where G is. They know those what are the two things that we've is. talked about what... in this video. Is like know your notes and know your your major minor scale. Those things are going to help you to do anything pretty much. It, it'll yep. get you going. It'll get you to that next step, that next the next level, and. Um, you know, music and playing an instrument, it's all rhythmic. It's, it, it's all a, like, look at it like a drum, basically. And then when you look at, okay, so maybe you're saying, oh, there's no way that I can learn a song by ear and I, I, I don't have the ear for music. And it's, it's, you're just feeding yourself a lot of BS because you can. It's, yeah, it, you're, all you're really doing is matching the sound. Yeah. And the does, it, does it harmonize? Does it sound smooth? Yeah. Or does it sound like yeah. and when you put your right? when you put your finger down on a note and you play it and it sounds wrong just move it to one more fret and you'll be playing a note if it sounds the right. most wrong then it's only one more fret exactly right? it's only one more fret if it sounds but, absolutely but horrible yeah you're really close yeah really close you're really close yeah. maybe, you're, maybe you're on the note and you're just a little out of tune like that's yeah. how close yeah but yeah. it's just a little bit of manipulation and, and getting your mind to relax and to break down those barriers of, you know, you can't get this right. This isn't, you know, it's that growth versus set my, or uh, uh, my, that growth mindset. You know, you have to make sure that, you know, so let's say you're, you're um, playing with, you're going to go jam with a band and you've got your, uh, your guitar or your bass and they start jamming and you don't know what key it's in. Maybe they called it to you, but you missed it and you're just supposed to get in there. Maybe it's an A, maybe it's a G, I don't know. But you just, you need to start with the rhythm first. You start with the rhythm. And if you can get just Especially one on note, bass, we can, we can flatten out that note. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hate on him for anyone who likes him, but mm-hmm. like, just listen to a corn song. That dude's barely <laughs> playing notes. Yeah. That dude's barely playing notes. He just clickety clacking away with the snare drum. Well, I think with, with corn, didn't they, uh, I mean, bass was like their main focus of that, of that band. That I music, guess. Like, yeah, it's, of- but like <laughs> the guitars I'm, were I'm not trying to hate on fieldy because he definitely has his way of and, playing and it mm-hmm. sounds great for what he's doing mm-hmm. but it is not 
it ain't no Getty Lee. Like he's not yeah. focusing in on tones and notes. No. Most no, of what he's playing <laughs> is a root note. Maybe one or two intervals, you know, maybe a third or a fifth, maybe yeah. doubtful. Yeah. But um, most of the time he's just sticking to the rhythm. Yeah. Les Claypool does the crazy rhythm and then all the notes, right? Um, you know, but yeah, like you can just ride one note. You yeah. can just You can give it space. You don't have to hit every single every single thing. You but know, man, it changes. Does it sound good when you know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. You but know, everyone it, always panics about oh, play a solo. Oh man, that's the easiest thing to do. Yeah, like if, if you, you can know, break if you out of your memorize, box memorize if you can memorize like two basic patterns and just your know where your root note is, yeah, you can yeah. do a solo. I, I teach I do a lot of slides in my solo because not only is it cool, but it's easy to do. <laughs> I teach seven-year-olds how to solo constantly. It's awesome. Yeah. It's I don't solo a lot in my own music, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that if I'm jamming with someone and they call it out that I can't and or won't. Yeah. You know, I just I grew up in a different era. Like mm -hmm. I I there man, there's so many shredders out there. There's so many people who are so good. There's like Again, there's only 12 notes. It's like, what, what, what am I going to, I'm going to play that lick faster than this guy or like, <laughs> no, no, I'm not, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, well, a, a big part of, you know, learning music and jamming is, is being able to solo and to, to take your turn. And so, um, you know, one thing that I really love to do when I don't have a drummer on hand is to go on YouTube and find, you know, jazz tracks, um, rock tracks any of those types of tracks at different beats and intervals that have the changes and have that group. i very much focus on on do, playing to backing tracks i do it for yeah. bass and i do it for guitar and yeah. i just go on youtube and at this point the algorithm is working with me right so i just go to my youtube homepage, and whatever the first one unless mm -hmm. it's unless the first one is one that i've done a whole bunch yeah, yeah. um just whatever the first one is I do three or four of those like 10 to 12 minute backing tracks yeah. before most people are even awake. I wake mm -hmm. up sometimes at six o'clock in the morning, make a pot of coffee, sit down here and I'll play on both bass and guitar yeah. to these backing tracks, just yeah. playing the scales. Yeah. You know, I, before I did this, like, not like just, but like, like but improvising yeah, the off the scale, like at this point mm -hmm. I can maneuver around them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was my shoe. <laughs> I didn't just take my pants off. <laughs> What? It was it was my shoe. Okay. <laughs> it was your shoe. Um but yeah, and I do I play more notes before seven AM than some people play in a year. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But I love it. it's great brain you're food. Able, oh. You're able to do that because you're able to break out of the box. You're able to understand all these little things that go go into it. Before I had the YouTube uh, a lot of those tracks, I have um this big casio keyboard that has like a hundred drum tracks and i would go through each drum track and just find grooves you know I, dude easy drummer i have that mm -hmm. i bring that up for easy some drummer. of my students i have uh the the pop punk kit mm -hmm. the action kit which is like different scoring um a different electronic kit uh yeah. the drum kit from hell which is uh tom thomas hake's kit from i think I, i'm superior drummer yeah it's same deal same yeah. deal um, this is just easy drummer. It's like, yeah. same, I think it's even tune track. Aren't they the same company? Yeah, I think they're the same. Yeah, I just, I've just always had this one. And like, um, 
you could just click on the browser and you can yeah. get and you could just build a song quick you know yeah. get a verse get a, get a yeah. pre-chorus get a chorus and then jam to that yeah yeah um, even that's about as close it. as we can get to finding our grooves nowadays unfortunately yeah but at least we finally have drummers who are on time yeah yeah well with the uh, logic 10 and i think pro tools 10 or something it's just a couple years ago they actually started making um, better drum uh, capabilities on these Logic songs. and GarageBand are pretty cool. I think GarageBand has it where you can like, maybe Logic, uh, maybe Logic. Too, Logic. I, I know GarageBand has it where you can like choose the choose name. Like Larry plays the drums this yeah. way. Timmy plays yeah. the drums that way. Johnny digs in a little bit yep. harder. Like, yep. like they, yep. they have these different characteristics, these different humanizing, even the yep. get good drums, right? Yeah. Um, Logic does the same thing. So they basically, because, you know, like GarageBand is like the little kid brother of Logic, right? So anything that GarageBand is doing, Logic's probably just doing a little bit better. And so right. they've, they've incorporated these things. But the good, good thing about plugins like Superior Drummer or Easy Drummer or whatever is you can also add those into there. Uh, Slate drums are really good. Like Slate plugins for drums are beautiful. Right, and um, the get and, good drums. Yeah. So if you really wanted to sit down and, and do a drum track to, to just play bass over, it's, you know, you could take the time to do that. So you can also just take the time to uh, just find some cool stuff on YouTube as well. Um, or even find a drummer that you really like and do the collaboration thing that everybody's doing. Hey, so for anyone who has stuck around this far into <laughs> our fourth podcast. Woo. Woo. Um, I can't believe we've gotten this far. I can't believe we did yeah. the first one. But <laughs> over here. Every week, I have my 916 guitar pickups banner, and I haven't even told Holly about this. Oh. But my friend Matt over at Plan 916 wants to do a giveaway. He wants to give one okay. of our listeners a set of pickups. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do yet. We're probably going to do um, a P-Bass set. We might do what? a jazz set. Maybe I'll do a PJ set. I don't know. Maybe yet. the winner can choose. Maybe they can. We'll see. The mystery. So, <laughs> the way to enter yourself into this contest is going to be to like this podcast. Mm -hmm. And every podcast that we talk about this, you're going to have to like that podcast and you're going to have to subscribe to us. Um, we are going to do one giveaway here on YouTube. Probably somewhere around when we get the 100 subscribers mark, right? I'm going to go through all these likes. I'm going to go through all these comments. And I'm going to pay attention to whoever is the most active mm -hmm. with this podcast. Whoever is the most active, I'm going to choose um, with Holly, who gets this. So the more wow. you interact with us on YouTube, the more likely you will be to win these pickups. Yeah. We're going to do one giveaway here on YouTube. And we are going to do another giveaway on our Instagram, which is at Base Cafe with Holly and Dean. If you follow us on there, we will be making a post. This You guys are getting early access here okay. to find out about it. We're going to make a post yet on Instagram detailing the giveaway. So yeah. I just wanted to let everyone know this isn't just oh. some... Uh, some spamming of a logo. Matt <laughs> has been such an avid supporter of me for the last like six or seven years Wonderful. Um, with everything from guitar to bass um, and pickups and 
modding and understanding frequencies. People don't realize how much your pickups matter more than anything. Yes, yeah. the wood of your your guitar or bass matters. Yes, the strings matter. Yes, the the uh, material of the nut matters. But <laughs> yeah. more than any of that is the noise that we keep away from what we're when we're playing. Mm -hmm. You know, some basses. My my first bass, you turn that all the way up, and it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's just some old cheap Chinese crap electronics in there. Yeah. Um, the awesome. you know one of the biggest differences is you can upgrade your bass, even yeah. if it's just a beginner bass, is just get new pickups. Yeah, I did that with a lot of my guitars and basses growing up. I I always bought inexpensive stuff and then upgraded yeah. the electronics. It's so, not all of it, mm -hmm. but it's so much of it. Yeah. But there's some, so yeah, there, there's some guitars out there that are Frankensteins that are phenomenal. Uh, the Frankenstein. <laughs> I mean, talk about the Eddie Van Halen Frankenstein, which my first guitar is independently built, but very much like... <gasps> Like Eddie Van Halen's Frankenstein. It is an Ibanez guitar with a lefty Fender neck on it and a custom set of pickups made for and my birthday. Felix the cat sticker. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything right here. Yep. Sorry. I have, you know, I have like tons of Felix the cat shit. <laughs> but, it, oh, I did not know that. No, I have like over 100 Felix the cat things this stp is stp oil and this oh. sticker is from the 70s look right i should have just picked this up this is my mouse pad <laughs> heck yeah have you have you watched some of those the the felix the cat videos like they the are cartoons so like the cartoons yeah the cartoons they um i used to watch them when so i was a kid trippy. felix the cat used to be on tv when i was a kid uh yeah that's well, that's why i i used to love felix yeah um and mighty mouse yeah I love, I don't know. I love yeah, Mighty them. Mouse is one of my favorites. You have Bullwinkle and um, yeah, Felix. Uh, I didn't really get into it until later on. And I got into it because I thought acid was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Never done acid. Then my parents started buying me everything Felix the Cat. And I just didn't have the heart to tell them that it was because of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have like the biggest Felix the Cat collection. You either. know what else I used to like that was totally would be trippy if you're ever like messed up is Harold and the Purple Crayon. Harold and the Purple Crayon. The, yeah, you could just oh, draw, the, um, draw whatever you want into existence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just start seeing shit come out of the walls for real. Hilarious, yeah, crazy. Um, but how cool is it that Matt's anyway. going to do a, a giveaway for us here? It's really cool, yeah. And uh, we should have him on the show to talk about bass frequencies at some point for sure. Especially yeah, we, yeah, let we, me we tell you. Giveaway. He knows so Perfect. much when it comes to materials. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I rely on him because I know that when he gives me a pickup, mm -hmm. that it is pure, yeah. that it is made out of pure copper, pure steel, mm -hmm. you know, um, pure nickel. The magnets are special ordered. I, we, I, we mix and match and choose magnets based upon what guitar I'm putting it in and like doing different stuff. Um, and he just, he, he's so good. I just know like, oh, it's so yeah. good. And I used to pay top dollar 
for um, EMGs and Dunkins and all these other, you know, pickups. So I even wanted to get into bare knuckles and all that, that boutique mm -hmm. stuff. But Matt, man, he just, I can give, I could send him a pickup back and we can change out the magnet, mm -hmm. you know, and get a completely different sound. And like, you don't get that from Seymour Duncan. And like, mm -hmm. and it's the same price. Yeah. You know, it's the same price and better quality. Like you don't know that when you're buying and I'm not trying to shit on anyone, but you don't know when you're buying from a big company, really what's in there. Like, was that, did that factory have to make cuts this week or yeah. this month? You know, yeah. did they get a shipment from a different supplier? Like when you buy from a boutique company, from a mm -hmm. small company, mm -hmm. like, you know, like a personal company such as 916, you know, what quality you're getting because that's how a business Pride. is built on yeah. its quality. It's only when it scales up mm -hmm. does it tend to dip in. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Definitely want to get him on the show. So well, cool. This is a great fourth episode. I'm really happy with it. I know. And, and all, those, all those listeners who stuck around to the end. Yeah. A little bit of a sneak a peek. Surprise. Yeah. We're still going to work out those details, but it's going to be yeah. really cool. Yeah, we'll have it all listed um, and make a you know list of everything that you have to do, and then we'll we'll pick a winner at some. I can just promise that the more things you interact with, the more likely you are going to be to win. Yeah, cool. That's just the truth. Awesome. Um, well, thank you very much, everybody. This yeah. has been the fourth episode. I know Yay. that this is posting after Christmas, but this is like right before Christmas, so. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. We will have a new episode dropping every Monday on YouTube and Spotify at noon. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, noon Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, and we are coast to coast. You're in New Jersey and I'm in California. So Coast to coast. And you can find us um, on everywhere at Base Cafe with Holly and Dean. All spelled out, just like All that. All spelled Ooh. out. And then on my website, www.hollywestmusic. And then all my handles on social media are at hollywestmusic. And I have deanmusicofficial.com. And I am, am everything at deanmusicofficial. Um, also follow me on Patreon, patreon.com slash deanmusicofficial, yep. where we will be posting all kinds of early access content. Yeah. And you have how much, what other content do you have on your Patreon? So I'm also putting up um, never before seen tour footage of uh, stuff that I've done with Michael Graves, with Nita Strauss. I'm also gonna be diving a lot more deeply into the music by number system that I talk about a lot. That's really my main avenue is to trying to utilize Patreon as a way to give people um, kind of like bite-sized chunks of, of music and music lessons, inspiration. Um, right now I'm just compiling Yep. old tour footage and and stuff that people haven't seen um and then slowly working into um also working on my second album my sophomore oh. album ocean of storms nice yeah i'm i'm kind of doing the same thing i you know i write lyrics i like write poetry write music um play different instruments and so i have a lot of that stuff up there and then i also teach bass so anybody that is coming to this channel to learn more about bass if you want to take it to the next step get out with either one of us and we'll help you uh figure out what you need to learn and where to go from where you are right now
Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a great opportunity to have this platform to be able to share our knowledge. And I mm -hmm. can't thank anyone enough. Sharing is caring. Yeah. Sharing <laughs> is caring. Please make sure to like, share, subscribe, and can't wait to see you on episode five. Yeah. See you later. Thanks guys.